I always went to school, health, kinesiology, and recreation, uh, minor in education to be a coach. Um, I was going to coach high school football. Mm. And, um, you know, never had any kind of thoughts of playing at the next level. Yeah. Um, going into my senior year, I remember going – or after the my junior year, I played really well. My dad noticed, and he was just like, all right, one, you're not a nine-to-five guy, <laughs> you know. I, I, I'll i tell you this. I had one job in my life. <laughs> and in high school, I used to haul hay, cut yards, cut down trees, do, like, the work. grunt work yeah. um, just for cash, right? But actually having a job um, – from a temp service, and it was like, you're going to work from 2 p.m. to 10. And it's just putting, like, basically these boxes, cardboard boxes come down this line, and you just have to print it and then put the um, little paper in each one. If the cardboard falls, the thin ones used to fall a lot, so you have to restack them, and it's like that. But it's 120 degrees in this warehouse in the summer in Texas. Um, then I get there, and they're working from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m., Twice. I'm like, hey, I'm in college. Like, I'm, I'm, I have a nightlife. Like, I, 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 I got things to do. Like, I signed up from two to ten. I didn't sign up from no two to two. You know, even though the job wasn't hard, mm-hmm. I just didn't have that mindset. Like, yeah. I want to be in here. I want to be out there enjoying my life mm-hmm. at the same time. So I worked that for five days. Made, uh, made five hundred fifty dollars in five days, and. Uh, yeah, I told him I can't. I can't do this. Like, Bounced. yeah, I, that was the only job I ever had. So, mm-hmm. using that information, and my dad had actually bought me work boots to work this job too, like two dollars work boots. So he was mad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, using that information, my dad was just like, you know, if you want to play at the next level, uh, you need to improve on a couple things. And he found me a guy, um, Nick Scott, Pioneer Track Club out of Arlington, Texas, and. Um, that tested my will. Mm. And uh, going in the first time I ever had training, we'd work out at like noon or one o'clock in the summer. Um, it's the hottest part of the day. Mm-hmm. And we start off with a 400 in under a minute, run around the track. Then we go through a track workout where I'm doing hurdles and doing all these different things and running and learning to run for the first time and doing all this extra work and it's mm. hard work. And then we finish after an hour, we finish with a quarter under uh, 400 under a minute. Book and it. that was, that was three days a week, mm. you know? And then at the same time, uh, my cousin, who's my trainer, uh, trained me all through my, co- uh, my pro career, uh, was, he was managing a 24 hour fitness. So, I'm going over to the 24-hour fitness three or four days a week, mm. and I'm working out with him. And in a couple of days, I got to work out with Ronnie Coleman. No way. Yeah. No like, way. Yeah, I was working out with Ronnie Coleman and some other guys. And I remember one time we were all doing leg press, and they were so impressed that I could do some of the stuff that they were doing. And But then they they put on extra weights, and I'm like, I, I think I'm going <laughs> to drop it off there. But, but no, just incredible people. But, yeah, and that was the first time I really, outside of practice, yep. that I really put the work in. And that's what my dad said. He's like, I knew at that point, you making the decision to do this through the summer, like, mm. I understood at that point yeah. that you you invested in yourself. Mm. Um, my numbers weren't better the next year. And sometimes we always look at numbers and be like, oh, well, how do I work harder and do more and become better and then don't have the numbers? And it's all circumstance and everything else. But I still put up another 1,000. I still put up 14 touchdowns. Mm. Still did really well. And after every game, teams, you know, people would be like, 
can't wait to watch you play next year in the NFL. Can't watch play watch you play next year in the NFL. Mm. Um, I remember I scored three touchdowns on another team, and uh, we're walking across. We had to walk across the parking lot to the locker room, and a guy runs up, taps me on the shoulder, and that, as a fan from another team, I'm thinking I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, I just want to shake the man, uh, the hand of the man who beat us, and he shook my hand, man. And he was just like, he was like, man, you're awesome. Mm. And, you know, so people around me seen it. Yep. But at the same time, I still had the reality, like, that's not that's not reality. Like, we still go home. We still go back to the dorm after games and watch Tennessee play. We watch Ohio State play. We watch Texas play. We mm. watch all these schools play. Mm. There's thousands of kids there. Mm-hmm. Why do I think I'm good enough to mm. compete with them? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and, like – I understand on this level and, and what the circumstances, my competition level, uh, I do what I do, but mm-hmm. just didn't have that belief. I remember mm-hmm. my roommate, we're in the cafeteria one day, and he's like, if Eddie George ran through the hole, I'm smashing him. I'm like, dude, there's no way you're smashing Eddie George. But then understanding now after playing pro sports, he's right, right? He'll win his fair share of battles and Eddie will win his fair share of battles. So it's one of those things where it's like, where I believed in myself, yep. I still had that line like, okay, the belief goes to here. We're not believing the rest <laughs> of this stuff on on the NFL stuff. So knowing that, dad's saying like, you know, nine to five is not for you. If yeah. you're going to do this, take it, take it seriously. What are you thinking? What are you thinking when you're done school? Like where – did you have a spot where you wanted to play? If, if the NFL was like you're aware that you're like, that's not it, did you have another idea? No, just coach. Um, mm. It was the biggest thing was, like, mm. I'm going to get my degree mm. in uh, health, kinesiology, recreation, and go coach. Yep. And and just live my life, yep. you know, understanding that I, I love to help people and love to do those things. Mm. But um, the day after our last game, I had two messages from agents. And sometimes it's a flicker of hope that creates a wildfire. Mm. Right. And what, for me, it was like if they seen something like agents aren't just going to call you if they don't believe that you can do anything. Thousands of kids in the States. Yeah. Thousands on thousands that are playing that sport. hundred mm. percent. And um, Andre, he, he called and I ended up meeting with him. Um, Alonzo Hosmith, who was the um, who played running back for the Houston Oilers. I watched play growing up. Uh, my dad was a, my granddad was a big Warren Moon fan. Mm. So he's watched the Oilers all the time. And um, just, you know, he had, he's a scout for the Green Bay Packers. He came to one of the games scouting somebody else. He saw me, and he called his best friend, Andre, and said, hey, we believe this guy can play in the NFL. Hmm. And, um, you know, hearing that from Andre, who just joined a uh, new agency, um, the agency out of Dallas, and um, Nick – not Nick Scott um, – can't remember his name on top of my head, but first agent. But um, he had Marion Jones, Tim Montgomery, all these. He's a big track agent. Wow. And this is, you think in 2004 when Marion Jones was at the height of her career, mm. you know, making over $40 million in endorsements every mm. year. And it's like, uh, although I never got to meet her, was I'd, I'd love to have met her. But, uh, you know, just seeing that just made me feel more comfortable. And, you know, I – Signed myself out of school for the spring semester and went to Dallas and began working with her trainer, Llewellyn Starks, who's now one of the top guys at Nike. 
who's been there for a long time. But um, yeah, it's, mm. that's what that's where the journey began. It was like, all right, we got to go back to work. Mm. That just that little flicker, yeah, just enough. Like, did you then once that little flicker was it just that you could like lift your eyes and look a little bit further than where you thought you could go? You know, I, I just always believe in once you believe it with your heart, you know, anything's possible. Mm. Um, you have to be rational about it. Like, did I know I had enough talent to play? Yes. Um, did I think that other people believed that I could do it? Because you got to understand, like, on campus, uh, Southern Arkansas is a sports school. Most of the kids on campus are athletes. Mm. Um, one of the top baseball teams every year, one of the top softball teams every year. Uh, my brother's wife just went into the SAU Hall of Fame um, two weeks ago, a softball player, right? Amazing. And um, the biggest thing is we look, and I've seen a couple guys go to the MLB from my school, hmm. uh, seen some guys do some things. Uh, not really Fred Perry was another CFL player. Um, he got drafted uh, to go to the NFL, and then he hurt his knee and then came to the CFL. Um, I knew Fred. So I wouldn't say it was like a shot in the dark. Yep. Uh, Jordan Babineau, who played nine years for the Seahawks and um, one year for the Titans, you know, we went into school together, hmm. and we competed against each other a lot. So there was a – I wouldn't say that it was just like all cut and dry, like I didn't think I could do it. Yep. But once I got the call from the agent, it kind of verified. Mm. Like there's that small hope in there, mm. but then that verified. And once once I felt like they believed in me enough to to reach out, I, I believed in myself enough to to put myself to the test and go try. Mm. So what that look like? What what that journey look like? Another hard journey, man. A lot of work. Mm. Um, show up for a private workout for Green Bay uh, on a wet field. Did horrible. Uh, but still felt like I was in their plans. Um, I, ret- I punt returned my senior year, my junior senior year. Mm. Um, our punt returner kept dropping the ball, so they're like, at least we know you'll catch it. <laughs> and I ended up averaging like uh, 21.9 yards of punt return my senior year of college and mm. uh, took a couple back to the house for touchdowns. And biggest thing for me was like after that moment with Green Bay, another time I just broke down like I don't know if I just blew it Mm. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I know I'm already projected. Like, on their, on their boards, you, you kind of read the message boards. They're talking about me replacing Antonio Chapman as the punt returner and fifth, sixth-round pick. Mm. Um, draft comes and goes and nothing, right? Uh, my agency had said, you know, you're going to be in a camp. Um, we just don't know which one. And – and I realized at that moment, if you don't have connections in the NFL, you don't get in. Right. Right? There's a lot of people that are in there because of who their agent is, because of connections. Maybe maybe you have um, another player that we want that's going to be a free agent next year. Mm. And we'll do it as a favor so that we have a chance to get this person next year. Yeah. Right? So there's all different types of things that go on in those rooms and conversations. And, and my agency just didn't have enough connections uh, to make it happen. Mm. I remember – uh, they called me the day after the draft and just said, hey, um, we haven't got any phone calls. Um, we got a phone call about you playing for the Arkansas Twisters Arena 2 football team. Uh, at the time, my cousin had played arena football for eight years, and I'm very uh, aware of the game. He played mm-hmm. arena 2. He played arena 1. 
Uh, but Arena 2 makes $200 before taxes a week. No. So I'm thinking I'm just going from playing in the NFL to playing for $200 a week. Mm. Uh, I said, uh, I think I'm good. And then I talked to my mom about it. And she says, son, you're going to play football for a long time. And uh, you need to go to the workout. And uh, I did. Hmm. When your mom says that, is it, do you have a choice to say no? Or when she, when she, when she says something like that, you just have to like, yes, ma'am. My mom was always the type that I felt like her relationship with God was so strong. She was like, God already told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I've already claimed it. I already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. She's like, son, I'm not done watching you play. I get so much joy out of watching you play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you just watch and she just breathed life into me again. Mm-hmm. Right? Every time you go through, every time I felt like I went through a hard period, my mom or dad was there for me to breathe life back into me. Mm-hmm. Right? They gave me that ability to go back within to say, all right, let's just go back to work. Because mm. those moments of like the downs, you yep. know, like those are, those are emotional times, right? Yep. As, a, as a high performing person to have the downs, it's, it's tough to handle. <laughs> it is. Especially when you're like, I'm not going, okay, I'm going. And you've, you've committed yourself 100% that you're going. Mm. I mean, that year I went to the Super Bowl uh, with Andre and I was with Alonzo and Andre and Donald Driver and Greg Jennings and all these guys. And I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm a part of the team. I'm already thinking mm-hmm. I'm a Green Bay Packer. And like I'm see already it. a part of the team. And, yeah. Um, so it's just some of those things that disappointments and, and different things that really yep. hinder. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go to this workout. Go to the workout in Arkansas. Me and uh, Jermaine Trent, who was uh, Jermaine played at Cincinnati, played in the NFL. He was kind of almost like my handler per se. Mm-hmm. Anything I needed with the agency. He, he took care of and um, really cool dude that understood the journey, right? And mm-hmm. somebody that I could really tap into that, to learn from. Uh, we get there. I think I'm going to a workout. Uh, we sh- I show up. First of all, um, Mark Super Duper is the, uh, is the coach. Or no, Flipper Anderson. Sorry, Flipper Anderson is the coach. I remember watching Flipper Anderson with the Rams, and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> how are you in Arkansas coaching this team? First of all, so I was in shell shock as that first, you know. He was the head coach. He's like, all right, so you brought your cleats? I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to practice with us today. I was like, all right, it's not a workout? He's like, no, you're just going to practice with us. So then we go out to the practice field. Um, you know, guys in the huddle. Then they're like, all right, get in the huddle. We'll tell you what to do. So I worked my motions and did different things. I just looked so natural. I felt so natural watching my cousin do it all those years. Mm. Right. So I understood the arena game. I understood a lot of the stuff. Practice and it's almost like every catch I scored a touchdown. And um, he was like, can you start for us this weekend? And I said, well, I have a workout with Calgary this weekend. Like uh, one of those workouts uh, that they do in the offseason. And he's like, John Jenkins was the head coach here last year, who's now the offensive coordinator at Calgary. And he's like, I'll call him. Um, and I said, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll come back. So went back to Dallas, got off the flight, felt really good about the workout. Uh, still wasn't sure about playing for $200 a week at that point. 
Um, but I didn't have any money. I mean, I was a college kid who just got out of college and um, went to the Calgary workout. Um, I caught 51 of 53 passes mm. in the workout. The only two I didn't catch, I didn't touch. I didn't even finish the workout. It was so hot. It was like a four-and-a-half-hour workout. It was down in Texas? Down in Texas, in <clears throat> Colleyville. And, um, yeah, I started cramping up. Couldn't even finish the workout. Mm. I just remember after the workout was over, I told John, I said, all I need is a one-way ticket. You give me a one-way ticket, and, you know, I'm staying. Um, just very confident after at that point of what I could do. And, yeah. you know, I see other talented receivers there that's played pro, pro football, and I'm fresh out. And, you know, out of 100 and some guys there, I was the only one to make it to training camp. Uh, Matt Dunnigan calls me three days before training camp and says, hey, uh, I remember I'm laying there on the floor watching TV at my cousin's house, and he's like, hey, this is Matt Dunnigan, head coach and general manager of the Calgary Stampeders. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> I was like, hey, Coach Dunnigan. He's, he's like, um, man, I was watching your tape, watch your highlight film from college, watch your workout. He's like, I think you're a really good athlete. Um, we want to bring you in. I was the last person signed to the roster in 2004. 